Coming to you live, Canada's 92nd most popular mental health podcast, Australia's 98th most popular mental health podcast. It's Holy Shit, I Have ADHD with Robbie McDonald and Jordan Lane. Oh my goodness, should we like crack the top 100? Like We cracked the top 100. Next up, like Billboard Awards. Absolutely. The Grammys. What are, what are the billboards for podcasting? I don't know what the, but I, yeah, I really don't know. I haven't looked into that. <laughs> the potties, we'll call them. Oh, the potties. Oh my goodness. Yeah. That'd be <laughs> <laughs> that maybe has connotations we don't want. <laughs> I'm Robbie McDonald. And I'm Jordan Lee. We're two writers who've been friends for 15 years. Recently, we both discovered we have the shared experience of figuring out we have ADHD in midlife. Holy shit, I have ADHD is a platform for adults discovering their neurodivergence, as well as a way to spread awareness of ADHD. This is a podcast about ADHD, hosted by two people with ADHD. While each episode has a general theme, our meandering trains of thought mean we often cover several other themes in the process. We are not experts, simply two people sharing their experiences of discovering their ADHD in midlife. If you suspect you or someone you know may have ADHD, speaking to a medical professional should be part of your discovery journey. I think that could, yeah, that'd be a whole other episode too about <laughs> gastrointestinal things. I don't know. I don't know if you really, that's like a TMI galore right there. And as you know, I'm prone to oversharing about things that are bodily. It's interesting though. Like you're right though. There is um, a big kind of uh, corollary between ADHD and neurodivergence and things like, um, yeah, uh, Crohn's, um, mm-hmm. uh, what do you call it? Um why can't our IBS, IBS. um yeah, yeah all, all these kinds of things like gi reflux uh it, it's interesting how there is a lot of overlap between specific physiological things that kind of they, they don't really kind of you, you can't really understand the correlation like that stuff um mm. the inner ear stuff is really interesting too mm. uh like a lot of kids with adhd i had so many ear infections as a kid Me too uh between kind of like ages six to ten i feel like was when it was really like a couple times a year mm-hmm. and yeah that's just one of those things where there is a a correlation to um adhd and other types of neurodivergence but they don't kind of quite know why so it's interesting very interesting because something I've been really exploring and trying to figure out um, is this profound hearing loss in my left ear, and you know, sort of like on the first, on the first kind of scan, um, like with the near nose and throat person, they were like, "Oh, it's because you had so many infections." And um, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not sure about that because I also had this weird thing that I had like a not a fully formed um, sinus palate when I was born, so mm. I had to have a surgery. Um, as a toddler that, um, that my mom and dad both reminded me of this year when we've been kind of processing all this ADHD stuff. And that is more likely to have caused, um, sort of a, a deformation, if you will, of my inner ear. Um, and that, that could have been why it became progressively worse over time. And because I've, I've compensated most of my life through lip reading um, and kind of having everybody always be on one side of me without even knowing that I was doing that. But then when I moved to Vancouver, it became even more pronounced. And I was literally on a call one day at my old job and, um, and the phone was in my left ear and I could just hear this like far away tinny thing. I couldn't mm. hear voice. Couldn't, And that was like, Oh, maybe I should get this checked out. And then, you know, MRIs yeah. and like ear, nose and throat and all that. But, um, yeah, I do find that really interesting about the, because um, auditory processing is a real issue for ADHD mm-hmm. folks. Like, 
And um, my partner will tell you so often, I completely misunderstand the words that come out of his mouth, even when he's standing right in front of me. And my brain knows that there's there's words, but I hear the wrong, like, I just, I leap to this weird conclusion and he'll be staring at me blankly, like, what are you even talking about? And I'll be like, but didn't you just say? And he'll be like, not even close. Like, those aren't even close to the words. Like, they don't even sound the same. And I'll be like, oh God, here we go. And then we'll have this kind of chuckle about it. <laughs> that's interesting because um, that's that's really a big part of how I see my own uh, ADHD creativity uh, mm. is is as a result of, of happy accidents like that, where someone will say something and mm. I'll hear something that's phonetically similar, but not at all what they said. Mm. But that itself may be like a very interesting or evocative phrase or even just an idea where two things that I wouldn't have thought to kind of combine uh, just by virtue of of sounding the same, mm. have combined themselves in my head in a kind of unexpected commingling. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, that's that's uh, it's very much is like an auditory processing disorder thing. Mm -hmm. But that's kind of one that I think has had interesting dividends for me in my life. I recognize that that's like a big part of kind of how I write jokes and the things that I find funny are just like mishearings that sound like a different thing. Mm. So yeah, and and because it is. It's such a fresh and unique perspective that, um, that you know, neurotypical folks might not even like um, kind of like latch on to. So I think that that is a, I don't, you know, I'm hesitant to use the term gift, but, you know, and it's something that is really juicy to explore, I think, right? Um, and it, like song lyrics, I don't know about you, but I, I mean, I, I mostly listen to just ambient music unless like if I have to work because lyrics will take me away from my totally. focus. Um, but like the Led Zeppelin song, I think I may have mentioned this before, right? Like I think the real lyrics are living, loving, she's just a woman. And mm -hmm. until I was like 25 and I listened to a lot of Led Zeppelin, I was completely convinced that it was living, loving Kentucky woman. <laughs> all in and so that made sense to me i'm like in kentucky that's just how they do things and so i had this whole yeah. narrative in my head about what like women in kentucky were like <laughs> um and like all music is like that i almost always have the lyrics totally. wrong even anthems and things that you know i would to, like make shit up in my head because it said that made more sense to me yeah you know yeah a mondegreen i think you call that um when it's like a misheard song lyric like one of the classic examples is um excuse me while i kiss this guy from uh, purple haze <laughs> yeah not, not kiss the sky but this guy right um or you know there, there's a bunch of ones with beatles i can't think of right now um but yeah, uh, that that's like its own sort of whole genre of of humor. Yeah, <laughs> the internet. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah I think there, there's definitely been like a lot of like uh, um, stand up comedy about that, and you know, it, it mm. is really it, it really interesting to me. Like anytime I listen to music now, because I because now I have the hearing loss to kind of on top of it. Now I have the awareness of the ADHD, so sometimes I'll be listening to a song and I'm like. Did, is she swearing or am I making that up? Like, is she saying, you know, Amy Winehouse, like I was just listening to Frank on the weekend and I was like, what? wait, is she saying what I think she's saying? Like, is she saying, are you game or are you gay? I don't, I can't tell. <laughs> I can think about that for hours afterwards. And then I start going into this like, oh man, Amy Winehouse, it's not fair. You know, <laughs> and then I get sad and then, oh boy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so how are you doing though? We haven't really checked in today. We've been yeah. talking about like busting the top billboard 100, but yeah. you know, 
sweeping the potties, scrubbing the potties. <laughs> anyway, um, I'm doing I'm doing all right. Um, I'm actually it's weird. I, I I I'm feeling oddly anxious and nervous for some reason about recording today, and that's starting to settle down now that we've been talking for a few minutes. Mm. But um, as I was kind of getting my stuff together, I was I'm, I've been super tight in my chest and like, mm. really kind of shallow breathing, and that might be because I also kind of just finished working out um, about 15 minutes before the call. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I'm just like I'm I'm feeling a little bit keyed up and nervous today for some reason. But that is starting to kind of go down now. But mm. um, yeah, I'm doing all right. Uh, I was. Uh, uh, on Ryan's podcast, as I mentioned last week, that came out yesterday. Hmm. Um, so you can check that out at, uh, I believe it's goodsidephoto.anchor.com. Or no, sorry, anchor.fm slash goodsidephoto is where his uh, website or his podcast lives. <laughs> um, and yeah, uh, so so that came out and that was nice to hear because, um, as I said last week, I was super scattered during that Mm. um but either i wasn't as scattered as i believed i was or ryan did a really great job editing (laughs) uh, because this sounded mostly pretty coherent and i didn't go off the rails too many times so um yeah and then um so so it was kind of nice to again like uh feel like i did still kind of have all this knowledge and i've already heard from a couple people who found that useful so that's again that's good um and then yeah that's kind of i guess more broadly speaking um really kind of what's been What's been keeping me going lately because, um, mm-hmm. you know, things are still tough on a lot of fronts, but what I've really kind of seen for myself in the last couple of weeks is um, I'm, I'm really where I'm, where I'm knocking it out of the park is in showing up for other people mm-hmm. in, in being there for other people who are going through shit in holding space for other people, you know, when they just need someone to listen to and and talk to about things that are going on and get raw and know that it's not going to go anywhere and there's not going to be like judgment because you know i've been there and so mm-hmm. um doing doing this show um kind of primes the pump in a way for people in your life to start to engage with you in that way more mm. because you because you and i are both putting ourselves out there we're letting it all hang out yeah and um like it it by 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 showing ourselves and and in that light in not in a non-judgmental way and and trying to normalize it to some degree, even though I dislike that word. Um, yeah, it, it's just like uh, you, you, you then get people in your life who are going through stuff and maybe don't know who to talk to or don't mm. feel like they have someone um, that then, you know, can, can kind of, yeah, you, you feel a little bit more approachable and and people are willing to engage with that. And that's, yeah, so that's, like I said, where where I've been finding a lot of my um, sense of value for myself uh, mm. the last couple of weeks is just in in just being a good friend to people. So, yeah. Yeah, um, I love that. You know, it, being of service is something that they often touch on as being kind of a pillar in the recovery community. Um, lots mm. of different faith groups, you know, talk about that, that when you're, when you're in service of others, you are taking yourself away from your own concerns and away from your own issues and problems and um, whatever those may be. And that gives you a little bit of a reprieve in a way. It gives you kind of space for those parts of yourself to be in a a state of like um, healing, right? Um, And that's, I think it's so um, wonderful that that you've identified that, that you can, you can say, okay, I'm just going to show up for these people in a really meaningful way. And um, share my own experience, but then 
it just kind of like, it's a soothing sort of thing because you're no longer like self-concerned. You're like, oh, hey, like, how are you doing? Um, and, and then in doing that, you're helping the person, obviously, but you're, you're helping yourself without even knowing that you're helping yourself. And that's what I love about um, service work and showing up for other people when you have the capacity to do it. Um, not everybody is in the right state of mind to be able to do that all the time. And you can sometimes overwhelm yourself. And I've done that in the past with wanting to be of service. And then, oops, boundaries. <laughs> uh, particularly when I was uh, navigating more recovery community uh, type stuff is that I would say, oh, hey, yeah, call me anytime. But then not realizing that I also had a job and that maybe it wasn't good for me to right. uh, have a crisis call with somebody uh, when I had work to do. Um, right. And then getting frustrated when I wasn't able to uh, do both of those things. Um, but yeah, boundaries, uh, as we've talked about multiple times over episodes, right? They're always difficult to to establish and maintain and be clear on. Um, but I just think it's so great that you've that you found that, and that's something that yeah, it's so wonderful that that you're doing this, like that you, you initiated this podcast that we're doing together, and that we can let it all kind of hang out as it as an act of service in a way without even knowing, like, I think that was kind of the, the, the sort of the intention when we got started with this, mm -hmm. especially for people that feel isolated or alone um, and maybe questioning whether or not um, they have ADHD or recently diagnosed. And, and, you know, as we've touched on before, the private messages that I got from folks on yeah. LinkedIn, because everyone's afraid to say anything about it on LinkedIn because they don't want to be perceived as flawed they just want to be like, you know, achieving all the goals all the time. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and I've said this before, but LinkedIn's getting increasingly like Facebook and I'm spending less and less time getting any real meaningful interaction out of it. So I just don't go there that often. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's cool that you're doing that, that you're showing up for your friends and, and that that's, that's, that's bringing you some, some peace. Is, would peace be the right word, yeah. do you think? I, I think so. I, I think yeah. The, just just having having a sense of of value, a sense that I'm that I'm doing something for someone and and, mm. I'm, and I'm helping someone. But um, the boundaries thing is interesting too because that's that's really something that um, was on the face of it obvious in retrospect. But it really took me a long time to come around to. Was I was out running uh, last November, um, and it just hit me like a ton of bricks while I was out, and I was just like. Oh fuck! I'm so eager to help other people deal with stuff in their life because I'm avoiding dealing with the shit in my own life, mm. and so that's that's where it it becomes very not easy but tempting to kind of like buzz around like a hummingbird trying to kind of like help out how you can um, and 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 give and give and give of yourself. And I think that also goes along with what I talked about a couple shows ago about having a bit of a martyr complex. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I, that, that's something where I, I, I recognize that like, yeah, I, I use helping other people and solve or trying to solve other people's problems as like an avoidance strategy mm -hmm. to some degree in my own life. And so having that recognition was really important for me, both to realize that, you know, like, okay, I've done some work, like I'd, I'd been a few months sober at that point, um, but there's also all of this other stuff that I need to do, um, which is around kind of just broadly boundaries and and kind of um, putting putting as much energy into making headway in my own life and giving mm. myself the same kind of grace and 
forgiveness, but also encouragement that, that I would give to a friend if I was trying to help them, uh, pursue whatever it was or, or get into or out of whatever situation. So, yeah, that's so important. The grace piece too, right. To give yourself the same, uh, compassion and, um, encouragement that you would to a friend, right. Because, um, ADHD inner dialogues can be quite harsh and cruel. And some of the things that I'll say inside my head, I would never speak to another person. Um, and so, yeah, I think it is really important to know too that, yeah, when you're using it as a bit of an avoidance strategy, um, cause I catch myself sometimes with my sister moving here, um, mm, mm. and you know, she's coming to do grad school at UBC, super excited for her. Um, it's a really big, amazing opportunity finding housing for her. Um, I've kind of taken that on. She didn't request it. Right. I just took it on. Um, and then I spent hours upon hours scrolling through Craigslist um, just this last weekend and getting sometimes really quite angry when I would see mm. things like it's a $1,500 studio apartment. And it's like, it's basically a water closet. And we would, yeah. we would rather that you didn't cook anything in the house and um, <laughs> sorry, you can't use the yard. And like, what the flying fuck? Like, seriously, you're just saying, just pay my mortgage, but don't have any benefit yeah. from it. Like, and so I, I just found myself doing that this weekend where I was getting increasingly outraged and I had to kind of like dial it back. Um, and I, 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 you know, I was telling you, I take Tuesdays off Twitter. I think I, I can also take Tuesdays off, like scouring the internet for housing for mm, my mm. sister um, and just kind of have a little bit of faith that we're going to find something for her. But um, again, like, yeah, that's something I do all the time. I'll take something on. Cause I'm like, I want to do this. I want to help, but it hasn't necessarily been asked for sometimes. It's like, sometimes it's just like, maybe I don't want you to do that. Like maybe, maybe I can do that myself, you know? Um, right. And in my sister's case, cause she's working really hard this summer uh, to save money um, so that she can focus and only work part-time while she's in school. Um, that, that, that is something that she's, you know, glad that I'm doing. Um, but yeah, when it comes to, you know, kind of being of service and then the martyrdom piece, like I was thinking about when you were talking about that a couple episodes ago, when you were in the kitchen, like doing all the dishes and feeling crappy yeah, and they yeah. were like, we have a dishwasher. And I was remembering like how many times in my life I've done that, like everyone will be sitting around somewhere and I'll just like quietly get up and go to the kitchen and sometimes I'll just be weeping to myself because I'm like nobody here really likes me but if I do the dishes maybe they'll like me <laughs> you know it's like it's just like come on man but then also part of that is I have a really hard time sitting still after dinner mm, like we're done mm. eating for fuck's sake can we go somewhere else please like I get really <laughs> agitated my partner will tell you that like just sit down for a minute and and that's being like combined ADHD because I can't um I have a really hard time even like when you and I are talking now, like I have to like make sure that I'm looking all kinds of different places. It's hard for me to sit still. It's really, really hard for me to sit still. Um, yeah. And uh, meetings of course are sometimes like awful, awful places for me. But yeah, like I was remembering that it was like, yeah, I'd be like off doing the martyr thing in the kitchen, but it was also an escape strategy. So I didn't have to sit at that damn table for another two hours. Like even if the conversation is sparkling and nuanced and really interesting, I'm still like, ah, I gotta get out of here, man. Like, how can you sit in these chairs for two hours? God. Um, yeah. <laughs> I just realized I kind of went down a bit of a different pathway there but yeah 
that's that's the name of the game here. Robert. Yeah, um, but like dinner parties and seeing friends, we, we haven't had that uh, fifteen months, sixteen mm-hmm. months at least. Um, and there's part of me that's that's excited about seeing friends. There's part of me that wants to connect. But there's another part of me that knows that anything more than an hour or two is going to be too much. Um, so I don't know. Like, uh, I don't know. How are you guys in Alberta? We're, we're like, today we're basically going into stage two where it's like 50 people can go outside and have a barbecue, but you can't have 10 people at your house. It's very confusing. Yeah, it's a real mixed bag, but I want to say right now it's currently 20 outdoors. Um, I went out a couple nights ago uh, over to a friend's house who has a fire pit in her yard. Um, and there's just three of us kind of hanging out, uh, just laying in the grass. But that was that was really, really nice. You know, I missed yeah. uh, being around even just a small group. Um, I had to bail early, uh, but so, so I, I can't say whether I would have gotten agitated after a longer period. But um, mm. last night I had my first non just chit chat uh zoom call in a while i had an actual like meeting meeting um Mm. uh for um the board with the improv company that i'm involved with Mm -hmm. and that was actually really tough because um it's the first it's the first one in a while where a i've had to actually think about like kind of quote business stuff and not just kind of you know, chit chat with you or with someone else or doing improv or something fun. Mm-hmm. Um, but then also as, as, as silly as it sounds, um, it was tough to not be just fucking talking the whole time. I've gotten very used to the bulk of my time being on zoom in the last 16 months, largely being just one other person. And so I'm doing like a lot of talking during that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was just like, you know, Partly because it was outside of um, not my pay grade, but I guess like my experience levels. I didn't have a whole lot to contribute to some of the discussions. Mm. Um, and then, and then, yeah. So it was it was really hard for me. I found to um, basically try and camera on the whole time, be paying attention mm. and and kind of like giving people my attention and or the kind of performance of attention um, while I'm not actually actively engaging especially verbally uh with with other people and kind of with what's going on in the meeting um so that was that was an interesting one for me where like Mm -hmm. okay so this is this is the first one of these in a while and i do have some work to do but also i'm recognizing how um if I'm not kind of, you know, the center of attention, Mm. I really do start to feel that um that 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 zoom fatigue and that kind of camera anxiety uh more mm-hmm. um yeah just just because it's it's that performance of self that we talked about a while ago uh kind of just having to yeah um mask manage whatever you want to do like um yeah i i was really wanting to just kind of like turn my camera off last night or mm-hmm. uh be playing solitaire in the background or something like that um and not kind of actively looking at other people just as for something to keep my hands busy. But, you know, I just kind of powered through it, but I just noticed I was really wiped out after that meeting last night, even though it was only an hour and a half. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, an hour is my limit on zoom these days anyway, but, um, uh, something that I read, I think it was maybe in the guardian about organizations that are saying, you know, like having your camera off, especially for neurodivergent people, it should be, uh, normalized. Right. So, I mean, if it would help you for another meeting like that to say, hey, guys, like I, I'm 
neurodivergent and I just prefer to have my camera off unless I'm speaking everybody cool like they probably would be but it's kind of odd to ask that sometimes especially if you're like if it's a nonprofit board situation where you know they just want to go over the budget and do all those things right um and it's funny because when I was on the board of women in film uh I guess that's almost two years ago now um that we were still meeting in person but I had that same feeling of like what am I contributing to this? And everybody here knows all these things that I don't know. And are we okay? Oh, God, we're passing spreadsheets around the table. Oh, oh, oh okay, this is the, oh, shit, this is the budget. Where am I supposed to look at what line am I supposed to look? You know what I mean? Like, I would always kind of feel like, ah, numbers. Um, and that's the function mostly of, you know, boards is to, you know, manage the financial or like the aspects of nonprofits, but I remember all the time just feeling like inept. Even though like after I ended up because I when I got my full-time job, uh I wasn't able to this is actually something I was thinking about the other day. Like I like to give I give things like a hundred percent and sometimes to my own detriment, right? Like I go hard on things, right? And so when yeah. I signed up to be on that board and I was, you know, nominated and then elected, I was like, okay, so I'm gonna, you know, help this organization like really like finesse their communications and like really elevate their profile and get out there and get more signups and get more money coming in the door. Um, and, and that was happening for a little while and then I got a full-time job and then I had signed up to do all these other things. So then I was like, oh fuck, I almost quit because I was like, I have said yes or initiated things that I ha I don't have the capacity and time to do um, just so that I would feel relevant in this situation. Um, and it was interesting because, you know, when I did finally have to step down, it was, you know, three months before um, my commitment would have ended of two years. Um, the executive director said, like, you know, your contribution has been significant and I don't want you to forget that because I felt really, really bad that I couldn't do it anymore. But I was working, you know, 60, 70 hour weeks at, uh, at United Way and I couldn't do it. Um, but yeah, like the the idea of like showing up, being of service, and then it just gets, it gets kind of away, right? It's like, I'm, I want to give this everything, but then I give it too much and then it just zzzz. I have to learn. And that's why you got to guard your yes. Yeah, guard my yes. I was actually wearing that T-shirt and I was going to wear it on the thing. But yeah, like guard, guarding your yes and like, um, but like giving things more thought before I jump in. Because uh, I'm so impetuous sometimes, especially if I'm excited. Right. And I can't think about what, because of, because time doesn't mean that much to me. So it's like. Oh, hey, this thing sounds really cool. Okay, so yes, I will be the chair of this subcommittee and I will organize all these things. Sure. Okay. Oh, yeah. oh, I have to actually like start a spreadsheet myself. Like that does spreadsheet doesn't just like appear and make everything organized. I have to do something. Dang. <laughs> it's so funny because yeah, like we're we we the re I, I feel like it's not just guarding your yes, as as Renee says, about um kind of guarding you from other people it's it's guarding you from yourself in a way mm. because it's it's like it's so easy to get that dopamine hit that comes with uh uh getting that positive engagement from other people mm -hmm. when it's like 
okay, who wants to do this position? And you're like, I can do that. And people are like, oh my God, thank goodness. Someone wants to be the secretary or whatever. This is fantastic. We don't have to worry about this anymore. So everybody's stoked. You get to, you know, be a big shot. Mm. Uh, People buy you a glass of wine after the thing or whatever. Um, And you're like, you get to be like, I'm contributing. But the actual labor of it is future Robbie's problem. So it's so, so, so easy (laughs) to set future Robbie up for failure. And future Robbie gets voluntold to do this thing while present Robbie gets to cash in on the rewards of that. Right. Um, and, And so, yeah. So I think that we really have to kind of like really just just be honest with ourselves and 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 just think things through really before we commit to anything but of course that that goes against our nature like mm-hmm. like because again uh, it's it's there is no such thing as as the future everything that exists is now and not now mm-hmm. and yeah and and we're also just so eager to please and to engage with people and to find places where we can contribute and get recognition for contributing because that's you know for the most part something that's that's lacking in a lot of adhd people lives yeah yeah um and that that feeling of 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 being a a sense of belonging right Mm -hmm. and a sense of purpose uh yes and and yeah that's there's been multiple times in my life where it's a similar thing like i joined the board of the inglewood community association when i lived in calgary um, was elected to be vice president and yeah a whole room full of people were clapping and all very excited about the things that I was going to do and then I was like oh god <laughs> this is a hard <laughs> gig man there's a lot of worked up people in this neighborhood um, and and yeah it ended up being I couldn't I couldn't fulfill the term because I the person who had kind of come in it was an interpersonal thing for me it was like uh, somebody he's a city councilor now but at the time he was the head of the the community association, he lived in my block and I knew him and I actually helped him campaign um, for when he mm-hmm. was running for uh, civic office. Um, and then this other guy came in after that and he just didn't know what what he was doing. Mm. So I just got really triggered by him and then I, I, I needed somebody to lead me and then that wasn't there. And then I just was like, I'm out. <laughs> um, sorry, I'm not going to mention any names because you know, <laughs> I'm sure that nobody from that well, maybe they are. Who knows if they're listening? Because we have listeners coming in from all kinds of surprising places. All over the place. All <laughs> over the place. So, yeah, I actually, I wanted to talk a little bit more about that. But I also wanted to bring it back for a moment mm-hmm. um, to kind of... Uh, so, so um, one other thing that I was realizing uh, that has kind of changed for me in the last little bit is um, something that I've been really kind of leaning into when I'm thinking or uh, trying to get certain kinds of like intellectual work done, or I really want to intensely focus on something is just pacing, Mm. like just, just walking around the room or whatever, and just kind of like doing a little bit of tidying or organizing some things, but just keeping my body and my hands active, I have found really does help me um, kind of focus on uh what's coming in through my ears uh and and really focus on what's going on Mm. because i've got these other parts of of my body occupied um and yeah and that's and that's something where i think that last night during that meeting that actually would have been really beneficial to me to just literally just take my headphones off put it on speakers instead and just like pace around the room Mm -hmm. doing whatever kind of shit but of course you know if if 
you're you, you can't do that with your camera on um, because it's like everybody else is distracted by you. And it's also, of course, you know, it's very easy to understand why people think that you're completely fucking disengaged from whatever's going on in this meeting because mm-hmm. it's like. How can he possibly be engaged? He's alphabetizing his books. <laughs> like, <laughs> but um, but yeah, I just I just find that kind of having those uh, those little body oriented tasks to focus on, um, hmm. you know, like how people would have a fidget spinner or whatever. Yeah, and it was funny. I was reading that. Um, it wasn't even directly related to ADHD, but the woman who wrote that book about menopause, uh, Jen Gunter, was saying that um, like during the pandemic, uh, she realized that if she wanted to have anything left at the end of the day, she had to make most of her calls that were um, related to business phone calls so that she could move her body and walk around her house and like just be mm, on like on a mm. headset. Um, and uh, the more I think about it, the more that does make sense, right? Especially for our ADHD brains is because you reduce that Zoom fatigue of having to be performative and like have your face in the right way or whatever. And then you're also moving your body at the same time. Mm, like, and that's yeah. why the standing dust is so great for me too. Like if I, if I start to feel myself kind of faltering a little bit, I can kind of push that up and then it helps me to, uh, um, to focus for lack of a better yeah. word. Right. Like, um, and I think that would be something for you to even like, maybe like you can call into a zoom meeting. Nobody does it because we all think yeah. we have to have our phones, like our cameras on, but you can do that. Like they're, most of them are set up that way. Right. Yeah. And and then you could just have your earbuds in or whatever and just be walking around. And then maybe, you mm-hmm. know, if there's something, if you had a screen share or some file to show you, just like turn your camera on and go back to it. But I, I just feel like that would be, that would probably be more sustainable for you. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely I I noticed that I, that I would have benefited from it not only in terms of yeah not not expending the energy of uh, just looking engaged into the camera all the time mm-hmm. but also um, I I think I would have had better information uh, retention on it too so yeah which is yeah again count, counterintuitive for neurotypical people I I get it but <laughs> right. it's funny because I saw um, a guy in our in our back parking lot he lives on the main floor and he's you know he's working from home and <laughs> he's out on his phone pacing around the parking lot while he was on a call right and the resident crows were not having any of it they were like die bombing and screaming <laughs> at him and I was like I hope that calms down before we start recording um but I remember <laughs> thinking at the time yeah like that's something I I've seen in so many different um work environments right like producers people working in film they're like pacing around while they're on the phone because it helps them to like move their body and process ideas and um it's kind of exciting the idea of sort of getting back to that a little bit rather than just kind of like staring into the screen because our brains can't our Mm -hmm. brains physically whether you have adhd or not um can't cope with that for extended periods of time right it's soon fatigue and you know etc etc right but um i think if you don't have to do it then don't right like don't don't do that to yourself unless you unless it's absolutely necessary right mm-hmm. i think that would be a good way to 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 approach things right um they know even like my little sister and i when we were first kind of connecting over zoom in the i guess it'd be over a year ago now um we would sometimes spend two or three hours chatting but we would also both get up go to the bathroom um move our laptops around like I'd take her with me to the kitchen while I was making tea and then she'd go and do something and and that was that was fine right like that worked for us but recognizing that most like it is distracting I was at an online event not that long ago and there was somebody who had their like I think they were using their phone and you could just see it like 
it wasn't looking, it was like looking at the ceiling and it was just like moving around their house because they were just like, do, 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 do. <laughs> yeah. And that, and that's the square that I'm going to focus on on the Zoom meeting. Right? Yeah, absolutely. And the speaker, I'm going to be like, what's going on over here? <laughs> so yeah, it is distracting. <laughs> it's better to just have the camera off if you can. Well, yeah. you know, it's, it's better late than never that we're kind of figuring out these kind of strategies for, um, mm -hmm. you know, working and engaging with the tasks that we need to in a way that uh, serves us and also kind of gets the job done, even if it means that it doesn't necessarily line up with people's kind of expectations. Right. Um, and yeah, mm. uh, speaking of, you know, things that we wish we'd known, mm -hmm. boy, it sure would have been interesting to grow up having known you had ADHD a little sooner. Oh it? my God. Yes. Yes, it would have. Uh, but sometimes I really... Um, it's not maybe resentment. I don't know if, if it, it shifts for me the way that I feel about it. Um, because sometimes I do feel like, you know, my, my studies, my career, everything would have taken a much different track had I known, had I been treated, had I had the support for it. Um, friendships would have been more sustainable. Um, and, and that part breaks my heart sometimes, you know. Um, but at the same time, I also wouldn't have had the experiences that I did have um, because of my capacity for risk-taking. I went off on all kinds of kooky adventures throughout my life, you know, did things that most people, like, I remember when I um, went traveling at, like, I think it was, like, 18 when we left Calgary and took off to Amsterdam, ended up, you know, going through Europe, and we didn't even have the right visas, and we were, like, going through, like, Sarajevo <laughs> and, like, just like nuts and like Greece and like these islands and then ending up in Israel. Like, like most people would be like, um, <laughs> you know, like even my family at the time was like, are you sure <laughs> this is where you want to be? Right. <laughs> but I wouldn't have had that experience most likely had I been maybe a little bit more, uh, uh, measured. Right. Um, and I think in some ways, like, I'm really glad for a lot of that, that I have that adventurous spirit when I did, mm -hmm. because things happened that it wouldn't have happened. But at the same time, I wouldn't have had the, you know, the financial anxiety of, like, landing in a lot in Israel with no money and just, like, sitting in this square and being like, what are we going to do now? And literally this dude came up to us, like, you girls looking for work? We were like, yep. And we ended up getting jobs working at this hotel. Um, but that was back when people would do that. They would just walk up to you on the street sure. and say, you need a job? Yeah, okay. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, uh, you know, in terms of um, my family and everything like that, it would have been, could have made things a little more... I don't know, clear for everybody, maybe less painful. How do you feel about that? Yeah, it's interesting because um, certainly I feel like I, if I had known that, uh, yeah, certainly my educational outcomes would have been different. Um, my career would have unfolded differently, um, or at least I believe that it would have. Mm. Um, but uh, I, I think that the biggest thing for me that I wish that I wish I had known that I've kind of benefited from learning is about RSD mm. and and just how why why I I get impacted the way I do by certain kinds of um, uh, scenarios with different people mm. um, all that kind of stuff that's that that's been the biggest one where um, 
understanding that has really helped me understand my life and manage the aspects of it that I'm not happy with a lot better. Mm. Um, and yeah, and so that's like, it's something that's interesting because there's, you know, since, since I figured this out, um, for the most part, other people are as kind of surprised as I am, partly because um, it's not that widely known what inattentive looks like. Mm. And partly because, as you and I discussed on the first episode, I managed to kind of, for lack of a better word, keep my shit together for a long time mm -hmm. and live what mm. looks like a traditionally productive kind of career in life. Um, and uh, uh, yeah, so so that's 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 been interesting um, because... Most people are kind of surprised by it, but there's been a few people where it's been like, oh, yeah, like you're your textbook, dude. Like <laughs> I I just assumed that, you know, you were on meds or whatever. And I just there's I, I really kind of waffle between like, well, goddamn, man, like I wish you'd said something versus like I totally get why you didn't say something because we don't know each other like that. Mm. And that's that's really something that I've been kind of struggling with in my own life lately is um we talked about it a bit on episode 12, everything looks like a nail, uh, everything looks like a nail. Mm. When, when, you, when you get this new knowledge of, of what ADHD in fact is, how it manifests, what the symptoms are, um, you start to see, of course, all of these things in your own behavior, but also in other people's. Um, you start to relate to fictional characters through that lens, historical figures, blah, 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 mm -hmm. um, and, and really kind of like... Um, assign these attributes to someone uh, based on your own perceptions. But of course, the, the the rub of this stuff is that none of us can can live in each other's brains. Really, I didn't I didn't understand what ADHD was until I read the words of an ADHD person describing their experience, their internal experience and being like, oh, fuck, that's my brain. Yeah. And so that's something that I've been really struggling with lately is there have been people in my life who have heard the show and have reached out and said like, Hey, thank you for doing this. Uh, I figured out through this that I have ADHD and blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And then there's other people where like, I suspect very strongly that they're ADHD. Um, but I don't know how to kind of broach that with them because this is kind of us, as we said earlier, letting it all hang out. We're kind of up here on the rooftops with our little megaphones, mm -hmm. but that's very different to yell this message and the people who resonate with it find it versus sort of hyper-targeting one specific person in your life and being like, hey, like, I know this is fucked up and none of my business, but like, have you looked into the possibility that you have ADHD? Mm -hmm. And that's, yeah, I'm just really struggling with that because it it is so deeply personal yeah. and there's so much emotional baggage and weight tied up in that stuff. And it, 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 yeah, it's, it's a really tough thing to kind of deal with. And I've gone through, I'm going through this whole kind of long, weird, extended, uh, uh, sine wave of, of grief cycles and like mm. really happy cycles where I'm like really love myself for this and then grieving all these other things. Mm -hmm. Um, but despite all of the kind of pain of that, I'm so much better for having that knowledge and for that growth process but again, it's just like, it's such a weird thing to try and broach with people in your life, even with people that you're relatively close with. Yes. And I can definitely think of former colleagues now, especially in my, in my most recent full-time job. And one person in particular who really, really triggered me like in pretty harsh ways. And I realize now he was like 
classic. Like he had a lot of the, you know, like the short tempered and the fuse and the messiness and the disorganization and all those things. And, and so now I'm holding a bit more compassion for him. Um, instead of just thinking he's a gigantic asshole, because he was, he was a bully, but I think he did have, I think he does have, and I don't know if it's been diagnosed, right? But that would have been a situation had I been diagnosed, then I might have been like, ah, okay, this makes sense. But then not knowing in a professional context whether it would be, it most likely wouldn't be appropriate to bring it up, right? Um, yeah. And then, you know, within my family, my mom has, after reading uh, Gabor Mate's book, Scattered Minds, uh, she's quite certain that she has elements of it. I think my dad probably does. Uh, there's other people in my family that are um, actively getting tested um, who have been diagnosed, but they would never disclose it publicly. And I wouldn't out them on any social media or even in this conversation. I wouldn't. That's something that they would want to come forward with themselves. But it is interesting that um, for some people, it is it is very much like they are absolutely horrified at the concept of being um, painted with a scarlet letter, so to speak, of having um, this neurological disorder. Um, and and that, that does make it hard sometimes to have conversations because uh, if somebody is adamant that that not be something that they want anyone to know about, it's more difficult, <clears throat> even in private, to have a conversation because it's so... it's. There is all that grief, like you said, that's mixed in with it. Um, and um, as we're processing it publicly um, and, you know, hearing that, that that is helping people, also understanding that not everybody wants to approach it that way. And maybe mm -hmm. some people don't even want to deal with the concept of even of even what it would mean to, to pursue a diagnosis. Right. Yeah. And especially depending on where you are and what kind of supports you have, you know, in the United States, getting a diagnosis is a costly endeavor, right? It's not just, you know, doing some, you know, um, talking to your family doctor as I did and like approaching it that way. Um, it's, mm -hmm. it's harder and, and more uh, difficult. And again, the, there's that whole stigma piece, which I loathe because it just like, what's so, what's so, What's so shameful about having a brain that works differently? I think it's a wonderful thing. Like we're all we're all unique individuals, and that should be something to I don't want to use the term celebrate, but something to embrace. And it's hard, Jordan. Yeah, it's hard when you have friends that you think might have it, but you can't necessarily broach the topic with. Um, yeah, I can think of people in my past that oh, like so many. Because like you said on Twitter that one day, like we run in packs, right? It's like quite, yeah. you know, quite likely that the people that you're drawn to have a different way of seeing the world, right? Yeah. Um, that's that's really interesting. When you were talking there about your your old coworker who you kind of like, you understand differently now. Um, I've talked a little bit about that with uh, someone in my life before on the show. Um, mm. But actually someone else um, that... I've heard from since starting the show who suspects that they may have it. Mm -hmm. uh, they're, they're a person that um, we really just kind of didn't get on that well at first. Mm -hmm. And, and there's kind of um, if, 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 if things kind of like go a certain direction uh, we can kind of rub on each other the wrong way. And that's, that's gotten much, much better. But um, there was a couple times in the past where, um, you know, like, 
I like like things would happen between me and this person and I would be like super hurt and fucked up about it and be like, what the hell? Like, what the fuck did they do that for? Like, mm. God damn. But again, like I now uh, now that I kind of have this window on both them and myself, mm-hmm. it's like, oh, yeah, OK. So this is like, you know, um, we're in a big group. Everybody's hyped up. Everybody's had a few drinks. Like, you know, the impulse control is in the toilet for both of mm. us. So, you know, we're, we're, we're both trying to be funny and like, you know, um, be, be interesting, funny people in front of these other people. And so, you know, maybe like a riff goes a bit far or something weird, mm. but then also just like, yeah, but, but, but also that, that I know now about myself that I take this stuff way out of proportion Mm. and like really most of the time probably nobody meant anything by that or even if they did you can chalk up to be like well that that person was drunk like like it's it's not a big deal you don't need to kind of um keep keep running this tape over in your mind Mm. and, and wondering why that situation played out the way it did uh but yeah like that's something where again I have a lot better understanding of that relationship and how to what what I need to do to kind of keep that um, on on a positive tone, I guess. Yeah. Uh, and and part of that is is managing my own approach, but then also part of that is is managing my own reactions uh, to kind of things. And and yeah, and so knowing knowing that about people really does, I find, help me because it's like mm-hmm. again, I I understand that I should be approaching this uh, this person differently and, and and that their brain works a little bit more like mine than mm-hmm. uh most people's does so yeah yeah isn't i don't i most don't know what the do. phrase is but it's usually the people that kind of the thing about somebody that most annoys you is something that you have within yourself that you would rather not absolutely um and i realize that now uh in many of the different people that i've known or worked with over the years it was the ones that really challenged me the most that had some aspect in them of, of myself in them. And I think a lot of the times that those were ADHD characteristics, right? Yeah. Like, why can't this person stay on track? Like, why does this meeting keep going off the rails? Like, why does it take two hours to do this? Why can't we get this done in half an hour? Oh, because the person running this meeting probably has ADHD. Why does this person talk so much and so forcefully and so interruptively? <sighs> And go off on these big elaborate tangents. <laughs> I know, I had this, this one colleague and I actually sat down with my manager at one point. It was like, ah, she interrupts everything I see and I can't get anything out. <laughs> now in retrospect, I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> totally makes sense. Something that was something that was a big eye opener for me in the past year, um, which honestly, it was it was one of the most strange to me kind of seeing yourself outside yourself experiences was when a close friend um, described me as intense. Hmm. And I was like, huh, <laughs> like that's, that's, I, I don't think of myself as an intense person at all. Like I think of myself as a pretty chill, like mellow laid back person, mm-hmm. but um, yes, you're <laughs> laughing now. <laughs> so it's, it's just so funny though, because again, knowing, knowing this stuff about other people and, and certain people in my life that, I now recognize do have ADHD Mm. and it's just like, Oh yeah, these people are fucking too much for me at times. Mm -hmm. Like, and, and so I'm like, okay, now I, I totally get now how I can be too much for other people, even though I don't, I don't think of myself as too Mm. much. Um, but I, it's just so strange because like I said, I, I, 
of all the words that I would have ever used to describe myself, intense is like way, way, way down at the bottom of that list. I think of myself as like, you know, relatively like, oh my God, I can't even believe I'm saying this because it's a lie I know as I'm coming out of my mouth, but I was going to say a relatively like dispassionate person. (laughs) That's total bullshit. That's total bullshit. But yeah, I guess, I guess. In, in, intensity isn't a word I would have I would have uh, uh, associated with myself. That would not have come up on my family feud top ten. So it was really interesting and enlightening to get that feedback and then to be able to see where yeah how how I perceive other people to be that way. And yeah, it's as you said, it's like it's that narcissism of small differences of like mm. oh this person rubs me the wrong way because they're me but one louder <laughs> right yeah or doing it in a way that i would never have the guts to do it you know like right. they're doing something that i wish i could do um and certainly like i remember one job i had it was a short term contract and i it was such a cool interesting group of people and there was somebody who was like who was in a leadership position and i and i realized that i was so um, envious, right, of, of where he was at. And a lot of it was, yeah, making it about him, filtering things through him. And I was just like, yeah. <laughs> Eventually, he kind of like became my nemesis in my own mind because I was like so resentful of his, uh, of, he, he, get, he was getting all the attention, for lack of a better word, right? Um, and rightly so in the sense that he did like an incredible work and, you know, like the guy's a total badass, right? But it's, yeah, <laughs> it's interesting like that I was so like, <laughs> you know, like, and, yeah, you know, like being a, being a bit of an emotional toddler about it. Um, and I can look back at that well, differently I mean, now. It's, it's weird to think of attention <clears throat> as a zero sum game, <clears throat> but it kind of is to a degree. Um, even, even just if you consider social media, like there's, you, you can follow 20,000 accounts, but you're never going to see if, if each of those people post one photo a day, unless you are literally dawn till dusk scrolling your feed, you're never going to see all 20,000 of those photos. Yeah. Right. And so it's just kind of, um, yeah, just, just, just kind of like, um, recognizing that, that, that validation coming from people is so good. Mm. And then like we talked about, uh, recently trying to find those places to validate yourself and, and kind of, tick your own box so you're not as worried about other people but yeah it's it's interesting that um yeah kind of how much of of our at least for me personally yeah a a lot of people that i don't get along with are like i get along with much better now that i understand that i have adhd and these are people i'm like oh yeah i'm pretty sure you do too Mm -hmm. and even if you don't I know to engage with you in a different way to kind of, again, keep myself uh, safe emotionally, for lack of a better word, mm-hmm. um, but also be very careful in, in how I'm phrasing things and approaching things so that I'm not triggering anything for this other person either, because I recognize that, you know, it's just as bad on their end. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that they probably have an internal struggle that um, exactly we have no window into, right? Um yeah, I think that that's a, that's a really healthy way to approach it too, and to have that awareness, right? Like, oh yeah, like this is the reason that I'm responding this way to this person is because of RSD. Like, and yeah, I'm the same way, right? Like, and when I think, you know, kind of, um, sort of like origin stuff, right? Like coming from a family of like being separated from my mom too early, and then her being in the hospital when I was still an infant, and all these different things, and so like her attention to me was like 
gold, right? Like it was like I needed it so desperately and then I wasn't okay with sharing that because it, yeah, I didn't think of it as something that was, uh, uh, that was uh, renewable. Bountiful. That was bountiful. Yeah. Like I had a lot of scarcity, right? In many different ways growing up. So yeah, still that kind of comes up. It's like, oh, like I'm not the center of attention. But then if somebody is like clamoring to be the center of attention, like in a familial kind of situation being like, oh, now you're just being selfish, you know, <laughs> like, it's just like, oh my God. <laughs> you, you don't win either way. What's that? <laughs> You don't win. Yeah, there's way. no win. That's that's a that's a non-winnable situation, right? And to think of uh, things as that way is like somebody's attention, um, uh, as a resource like that. Yeah, but I mean, we're, we are human beings, and we need to feel understood, like I've said before, and uh, feel appreciated. And yeah. and when those things are lacking in our lives, we can definitely, you know, spiral into addiction, and you know, spend way too much time on websites that are mining all our data. <laughs> making us not feel good about ourselves soapbox <laughs> well like like i said before i mm -hmm. think that um yeah where, where i'm where i'm getting that lately is just in in being able to show up for other people mm -hmm. and bring value to their lives there so that's that's yeah what's really kind of helping me um with that yeah that's amazing and i think that's a great way to kind of uh wind up the show this week to think about that like think about like how grateful i am to you for that that aspect of you for like your willingness and, and your, um, uh, what's the word I want to say initiative mm. in, in doing that, like, and, you know, like even reaching out to me, like when I first, you know, was talking about ADHD publicly and then like helping me through this process of doing the podcast together and the way that you're showing up for your men's group. And like, just in general, I, I just think it's, uh, it's such a, a generous way of being in the world. Yeah. Well, that's um, what I was going to say before. I forgot the second half of that thought, which is um, that's how but part of that is, is that um, when you give this stuff out, when you show up in a way that's supportive to other people, um, you start to get that back from those same people or from mm -hmm. other people in your life. Uh, so yeah, so that's, you know, it's, it's in a way very selfish of me um, mm. that, that I'm, that I'm, I'm building this kind of little, uh, uh, web of of people that i hope you know i can bring something something to them and you know i suspect that they'll want to return the favor at some point and that uh that that feels good too so yeah mm -hmm. yeah so, so sometimes you have to build what you need to see in the world yeah exactly write the songs you need to hear <laughs> if you enjoyed holy shit i have adhd Subscribing to and reviewing it on your podcast platform of choice helps more neurodivergent folks find us, as does following and promoting the show on social media. A full list of platforms is on our Anchor page at anchor.fm forward slash holy shit, I have ADHD. While you're there, why not leave us a voicemail? You can also share your thoughts on this episode or your own ADHD experiences with us at you guessed it, holy shit, I have ADHD at gmail.com or via our social media pages in the episode notes. Bye for now and hyper focus on the positive. <laughs>